The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Thank you so much for coming to worship with us this morning. We're going through the book of Ephesians in a sermon series called Identity. Who do you think you are? Looking at the identity that God has given us in Jesus Christ. And this morning for our scripture reading, we'll be in Ephesians chapter number 6. We'll begin reading in verse number 10. If you are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand with me as we read God's word this morning. Ephesians chapter number 6. We're going to pick it up in verse number 10. The Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, Take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This morning, Prasser is going to bring a message entitled, We Are Conquerors. Any of you have seasons in your life where you get a little bit nostalgic? You know, you start thinking back about maybe younger days, your childhood, and there's just that nostalgia that kind of swells up within you. Uh, This week, for whatever reason, I I took a little bit of time uh, just to drive by all the old homes that I used to live in here in Fresno, and uh, I moved here when I was eight years old. My family moved here, and uh, many of the places we've lived, literally all throughout Fresno uh, and different things, and I, I drove by one of our homes that I'd lived in kind of as a teenager, and it was on Bryan Avenue out where Glacier Point School is now uh, off of Ashland and uh, Bryan there, and we had 10 acres of land, and I just sitting in front just kind of remembering Uh, some of the memories from uh, my childhood on that property. And one of our favorite things to do while we were there is uh, play paintball uh, in the back 10 acres. And I don't know if you remember, but uh, there was a season where paintball was a really big thing. And for one Christmas, my family uh, got all of us boys these paintball guns, and we just loved them to death. You know, we'd we'd have a great time with it. Except on one occasion where my brother Micaiah had the brilliant idea of freezing his paintballs. He felt like this would inflict a little bit more pain and so took the, his can of paintballs froze them and uh, literally I think it probably would have the potential to kill somebody if his aim was good enough to hit anybody and so we were we still felt pretty confident in the fact that we were going to survive that I, I remember on one occasion we had some missionaries come to our home they were speaking at the church and and they had some kids and we asked them hey you guys want to go play paintball with us and they never played paintball before they weren't skilled in the art of, of a paintball war or whatever and uh, there was a girl and her brother and and they were about our age and things and we got out there and and we were just having fun but we were just we were just I mean 
I mean, pegging them with all of these paintballs, and they're having fun with it, but in the process, these things are, they bruise you, you know, you get bruises all over, we're having a great time shooting, you know, these paintball guns at each other, and we get done, and we're wiping the paint off, and literally, uh, we were a little better than they were, and these two missionary kids literally had, like, bruises all across their entire body from head to toe, and their, their parents came back to pick them up, and you could just see it in their eyes, their eyes got real big, like, what in the world have you done to our children? There's just bruises all over them, and things. they're like, it was awesome, we had so much fun, you know, and we were having that paintball battle there a little bit. And, and I think we would be honest, maybe not in, in that type of realm, but we've all had seasons in our lives, at least spiritually or emotionally, relationally, where we've uh, experienced some battles in our lives. And, and the premise of what I want to share with you today is simply this, that the battles that we will face in our future have already been won by God. Every battle that you're going to face in the coming days, every battle you will face in the coming weeks, and every battle you will face in the coming years, as we're going to see from this text, have already been won by God. And so the reason we can be strong in God is because He has been strong for us. Let's dive into our text as we move verse by verse here through this particular passage. I want you to see verse number 10. Notice what the Bible says. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, he's reminding us here today that, you know what, God is strong and he is mighty and he's powerful. Notice what it says in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, it's almost as if Paul is getting to the end of this letter and he wants to remind us of something that is vitally important. He says, this is it. I'm going to wrap this all up here. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power, notice this, of his might. Now, this, this is where we're going to have to start this morning, all right? I want you to see this. The reason we can be strong in the Lord is assumed because of the fact that God, in his essence and in his nature, is strong himself. I think most of us would agree that we serve a great and mighty God. I think most of us would say, I agree with that statement. And the reality is, based on the authority of the word of God, we serve a strong God. Which leads us to our first thought this morning from this passage, and that is simply this. Our God is strong... Our God is powerful, and our God is mighty. Notice this, strong in the Lord, in the power of His might, all right? Psalms 147 verse 5 says it this way, Great is our Lord. We were just singing about it a moment ago. How great is our God. The Bible says in Psalms 147, And of great power. His understanding is infinite. It's, it's ongoing. There's no end to his understanding, to his knowledge, to his power, to his strength, and to his might. And, and I want to remind you of something. You don't limit God's power. Your weakness will not limit God's power. His power won't be limited by our weaknesses. His power won't be limited by our incompetencies. His power cannot be limited by our incapabilities, his inadequacies, our insufficiencies, our inexperiences, or even our frailties, all right? Our weaknesses can't limit the strength of God. Psalms 162, verse 11, I'm sorry, 62, verse 11 says, God hath spoken once. Twice have I heard this, the psalmist said, that power belongeth unto God. Now just to give us here some context, I want to remind you that there is literally more power in one word from God than there is in all the strength of the enemy combined. 
The Bible tells us that God literally created the universe with His very Word. His power, His might, and His strength, literally just in His words, are more powerful than anything we as humanity could conjure up in our strength. And, and just to give you a perspective of this for just a moment, I, I want, I'm, I'm going to show you here on the screen, I, I kind of came across this and I thought this was fascinating. I think the guys are going to show a video of Earth. And right here, this is at... Uh, this is right here from earth and so I think in this video we're going to start to take off a little bit and now we're going to see we are 10,000 kilometers up and from this vantage point you can see the curvature here of the earth this is about where you would see it from Mount Everest Uh, then we're going to move up to about a hundred kilometers this is one-fourth of the way to the space station Uh, if you get to this level uh, you are an astronaut here Uh, Here in just a second, we're going to move up to about a hundred thousand kilometers or one million kilometers. This is is about a quarter of the way to the moon. And so if you're here, this is about what it would look like if you were one-fourth of the way to the moon. And then you could see here about a hundred million kilometers. And this is still not to the sun yet. Uh, The sun is uh, 93 million miles away. And then next, we're going to move to about 10 trillion kilometers. And uh, 10 trillion kilometers, uh, you can start here. There's the sun now. Uh, This is about 93 million miles away or so, and you can start to see where the sun is. And then from there, we'll move a little bit, and and now we're about uh, 10 trillion kilometers away. And uh, you could see all the planets there surrounding uh, the Earth. It's going to move just a little bit here in just a moment. But what we're going to see here, just that little move, and you are now 10 to the 15th power. That bright dots are literally uh, the sun as it's moving around. And then next, we're going to move to 10 light years away. And so you're going to see 10 light years away of what that would look like. And now we're 10 light years away uh, from Earth. You see the sun with about 11 other stars that are now its neighbors there. And so you can start to get a perspective of what our earth looks like. And, and then a, a thousand light years away, and, and you can begin to see a little bit of the cluster now that makes up part of what is called the Milky Way. Uh, we'll move out again. If we move out, you'll see further that now you can see that little cluster of stars at the edge of what is called our Milky Way galaxy there. And uh, literally, the Milky Way, those little clusters, about 100,000 stars just around it. It pulls out even further, and uh, we're just kind of buried. I mean, our, 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 we're just buried in this thing called the Milky Way. You know, we pull out even further, and what you begin to realize is that we're in this big galaxies, but those are things and there are other galaxies here around us. And so you see those things floating around what is called our Milky Way galaxy. And and all of a sudden, as you pull out now even further, we're about 10 million light years now away from Earth. And what you're seeing now is thousands of not stars, but literally galaxies and all of those clusters and light you see. Now we're pulling out 100 million light years. And what you're seeing now is just literally clusters of galaxies. You can't even really make out a single galaxy. You just make out clusters of galaxies. You can't even find our own Milky Way galaxy anymore. Uh, Literally, we don't have telescopes that'll move out any further than this. And here's what the Bible declares. All of that was created by the very Word of God. Our God's big, I I guess is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Your God is big. Like, Like, we don't even have the technology just to see the incredible greatness of our God. 
We serve an incredible God. We serve a God that is great. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to invite God into every circumstance in your life. Because when God enters the scene, miracles begin to happen. Our God is strong. Our God is powerful. Our God is mighty. And what we're going to see here moving forward throughout this lesson is built upon the foundation that we serve an incredible, awesome God. But let's keep moving forward. Notice what it says at the end of verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Notice that phrase, in the Lord, in the power of his might, be strong. Now, as you study this in the Greek, that phrase, be strong, sometimes people would get the impression, it's like, it's like this, you guys got to go out there and, and be strong. You, you can do it. Just, you know, kind of psych yourself up and, and be strong. But as you study this in the Greek, you're going to find that it's a past imperative. That statement, be strong, is past imperative. You say, what does that mean? It means this has already been done for you. This be strong in the Lord, it's already something that has been accomplished in the past. He's saying appropriate that which is already yours. Appropriate that which is already granted to you, which leads us to our next point. In Christ, we are already conquerors. We've already won. Romans 8, 37, a famous verse, reminds us in all these things, we are more than conquerors. It doesn't say you might be more than conquerors or you could be more than conquerors. It says you are. Most Christians do not live their lives in the reality of what God declares to be so. It's not that one day you might be a conqueror, one day you might be victorious, one day you might... No, you are past imperative, strong in Christ. That is who he declares you to be in him. It's a spiritual reality that is so. Can I remind you that the spirit of Christ that experienced ultimate victory through the cross and through the resurrection, the victory that was given to Christ by the Father through the cross and through the resurrection, that same Spirit now abides in each and every one of us who are in Christ. And that Spirit now that was uh, powerful on our behalf now is leading us to ultimate victory as well. According to Philippians chapter number 4, verse 13, in Christ we are strong. According to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, in Christ we are powerful. According to Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 37, in Christ we are conquerors. According to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse 57, in Christ we are victorious. According to Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 12, in Christ we can stand firm. According to Philippians chapter number 4, verse 13, in Christ, we are on the winning side. That is a spiritual fact. We have won. And when you are in Christ, you can anchor your life to the reality that the battle has already been won. This, what we just saw in the scriptures, is who God declares us to be who are in Christ. Now, your emotions might lie to you. And tell you something different. It happens. Your circumstances might tell you a lie. And tell you something different. Your peers, the people around you, might get you to believe something different. The enemy might try to convince you otherwise. But in Christ, 
I want to declare to you, based on the authority of the word of God, you are victorious. You are a conqueror. You are on the winning side. Some of you might be familiar with this, but uh, the Battle of New Orleans, led by General Andrew Jackson, is often remembered as one of the most decisive American victories of the War of 1812. This particular battle with General Andrew Jackson took place on January 8, 1815. Now, here's what made it so decisive is the entire engagement was over in less than 30 minutes. It was crazy. You say, wow, what, what was the context of this? What was, what was going on? Well, two weeks earlier, something interesting took place. The war had ended. <laughs> The war was over. Now, the men who went to battle, they already knew that the war had been won. They also knew the exact information of exactly how the enemy was going to attack. But the British weren't able to get the information to this particular battalion. And so there they were, they were coming, and this Andrew Jackson, his battalion, had a decisive, very quick victory. Now, here's what I want to say. Just in that case, the victory is already ours. Any battle that you're going to face, any victory that you're going to, it's already been won. And now you have the confidence of knowing that the war is won. You know exactly how the enemy is going to attack based on the strategy given to us by God. We have the upper hand. Just like Andrew Jackson had the so-called upper hand, you and I as believers in Christ have the upper hand knowing that we have already won the war. We're already victorious. We are already conquerors. We have the upper hand. As I told you a moment ago, the British tried to get word of their men, but to no avail. The enemy attacked, not even aware that they were doomed from the very beginning. Can I say this? You have an enemy. Doesn't even know they're doomed. Satan thinks he's going to win this thing. He thinks he's going to win this thing in your life. He thinks he's going to overthrow your life. He doesn't realize that he is already a defeated foe. First, that's why 1 John chapter number 4, verse 4 can tell us, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Man, our God is strong. Our God is powerful. Our God is mighty. And in Christ, with his spirit in us, we are. Our very identity, our very core, and our very essence is that of a conqueror. It is that of a victor. It is that of a winner. That is who we are. Can I remind you that God designed this human machine. God designed your human machine to literally run on himself. God himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn. We are in Christ, and Christ is in us. Let's keep reading. Verse 14, he says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, I want to say this to you. God has made these things available to you. Everything that is mentioned is yours for the taking, to simply appropriate and receive them by faith. They are already yours in Christ by faith. 
Uh, let's go back to our illustration there from the Battle of New Orleans. Imagine for a moment if Andrew Jackson and his army would have thought to themselves, you know what, we already won this war. We see the enemy approaching. Well, we're just going to kind of hang out in our hammocks. We're not going to don on our uniforms. We won. We're not going to suit up. How many of you realize that there would have been some casualties and there would have been some consequences to that? You see, in this passage, we are called upon, we are enabled to suit up. Which leads us to our final point, and that is this. Because the battle has already been won, because the war has already been won, we can and must suit up to share in his victory. We can and must suit up to share in this victory. And so here, the Apostle Paul gives us an analogy. He gives us a metaphor. Yes, we have already won this war. Yes, we are already conquerors in Christ. But if we're going to share in this victory that is Christ, we can and we must suit up. And he gives us some very practical things. Let's move through them real quick. He says in verse number 14, having your loins girt about with truth, all right? The analogy that Paul is going to use was a military analogy And these people who would have been here in this day, they would have been very, very familiar uh, with the Roman Empire and uh, just the oppression that they provided on the world at this time. Uh, In this day and age, these Romans that would have been been used as an illustration here were literally like the SEAL Team 6 of their generation. I I mean, this was like the, the Delta Force of their day. These were, I mean, these were killing machines. These, these Romans would be groomed from a very young age to do battle. And so the Apostle Paul uses there their armor as an analogy of some of the things that they would face. And the first thing he says is put on this belt of truth, your loins girt with truth. You see, that belt for that Roman, for their, for their um, armor there was that which would attach everything. And so from that belt, they would hang there their sword that would attach the breastplate. And so everything kind of centered on that belt. And so here the Apostle Paul refers to it as the belt of truth. What is truth? John tells us thy word is truth. We must allow the truth as God defines it to be that which everything else is attached to. Then he says the breastplate of righteousness. We know that our righteousness is Christ and it's his righteousness that protects those vital organs that keeps us healthy, that keeps us moving forward. And he says to, by faith, appropriate the grace of this righteousness that has already been bestowed upon you. The righteousness is not something you have to earn. It is your inheritance in Christ to simply appropriate by faith. And he says, boots of the gospel of peace. For these Romans, the boots that they would wear literally had these nail-like spikes that would go through the sole of these boots. And it was that, as they were standing, that they would be able to battle. It's that which they would push forward with. And and no matter if there were mud or if the landscape was rocky, they'd always have a firm footing there. And so we see what allows this thing to push forward and to advance here is the gospel of his peace. So often we as believers make the gospel about something other than peace. We can be so cantankerous in the presentation and the propagation of our gospel. And he says here the gospel of that which brings peace. Then the shield of faith. The shield would have gone down to 
below the knee, right up to where the face was. These were heavy, heavy shields, and this is what they would use as a defensive uh, mechanism here, and it's called the shield of faith, and it is the faith that we appropriate from Christ that, that guards and keeps the enemy from attacking. Honestly, one of, when you are under attack spiritually, one of the reasons that the enemy is able to get through is because we're not quenching the fiery darts of the wicked with a shield of faith. There's not a, a heart of faith, a heart of belief to say that what God says is true and what the enemy says is a lie and so we begin to believe the lies of the enemy more than by faith quenching those darts in a heart of belief so he starts to peg the heart keep going and it talks about here in verse 17 take on the helmet of salvation protects the mind the the salvation that is provided to us and then we see the only true offensive weapon here mentioned in this paragraph, and that is simply this. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It is this book that advances our cause. Not the philosophies of men, not the pontification of preachers, not the personality of congregations, not the resources of individuals, What advances us forward is the word of God. And he says, my word shall not return void. It will accomplish that which it's sent forth to do. Let's use the word of God with our children. Use the word of God with our uh, teenagers. Allow the word of God to go forth in our places of work that we would allow God's word to speak for itself. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 verse 57 can say, but thanks be to God. Paul, why are you thankful to God? Because it's God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The victory is not ours because of our resources. The victory is not ours because of our logic. The victory is not ours because of our personality. The victory is not ours because of what we can conjure up. The victory is ours because of what Jesus Christ accomplished in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Because of that reality, the victory, the war, is already won. And we get to choose, are we going to live like we've won, or are we going to live like we've lost too many christians are destroyed because they're running around living as if they've lost ah my marriage is doomed our kids will never ah church can't make they're not believing what god declares to be so they live in they live in doubt and in unbelief, and wonder why there's no experiential victory. Because they are not appropriating the spiritual victory that God has already appropriated and given to them. Oh, that we would live in light of the victory that is already ours in Jesus Christ. If I could paraphrase this entire passage from verses number 10 down through verses number uh, 20... Uh, I would paraphrase this passage in a simple but practical outline that might go like this. Verse number 10, show up. Verses 14 through 17, suit up. And then stand firm. You see, that's what's possible in Christ. Because of the victory that has already been won on our behalf, because of 
the finished work of Jesus Christ, we are able to show up. We are able to suit up. We're able to stand firm. And then notice verse number 18. He says, Paul says, I'm praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance. He's talking about this, this perseverance of supplication. Notice this, for all the saints. I want you to get this, that he's in prayer. He's persevering in prayer for all the saints. He wants all the saints to get what we're talking about right now. That all the saints would show up. That all the saints would suit up. That all the saints would stand firm. As you study history, especially the Romans and this Roman army, these centurions, these, they were epic and they were just incredible, incredible warriors. But one of the secrets to their success was not just that they were individually strong warriors, but they had an uncanny ability to know how to fight together. The strategy of the Romans and one of the reasons they were able to conquer the known world was the process by which they went about conquering the world around them. Yes, while they had this incredible suit and while they were incredibly trained as individuals, they never won battles as individuals. They had a very clear and concise way of how they would move through and how they would conquer lands. And this involved taking shields and literally locking shields in a long row. And so there would be a huge, massive row of these centurion, these literally these machines of, of, of soldiers that would stand there and their, their entire shields would be locked together and then behind them there would be another row and they would have their shields right in the back of that person in front of them and then there would be a third row and they would have their shields right into the back of those and literally they would take one step forward at a time, the ones in the front using their swords, in the second row using their javelins and literally no matter how hard the enemy tried to penetrate, they just, they couldn't because they would never break rank. They'd fight as long as they could, and then at the last moment when that person on the front felt like they had given all of their strength and they had nothing left, they'd make the signal, and that person in front of them would then take rank in the front, and they would drop to the third position. The person in the third position would make their way to the second position, and they would just keep doing it, but they would never break rank. You see, their secret was not in the fact that they just had armor. The secret was not just in the fact that here they were these incredible fighting machines. Their, their incredible secret was the fact that they knew something about what it was to work together in rank. And this is what Paul's praying in verse 18. You've got an incredible God. He's strong and he's powerful and he's given you the victory. But if you're going to share in that victory, it's time to, you, you can and you should suit up. Taking this faith and the word of God and the shield of faith, allowing these things to be that which suits you up. And then do it together. One of the reasons that the church in the 21st century is losing ground is because there are Christians who while they have spiritually been given the victory god has entrusted it has given it to them as their inheritance they're not appropriating the grace they're not allowing the spirit of god they're not yielding and just they're not showing up they think it's a playground 
They're not suiting up and standing firm, fighting together. I'm going to say this. If we as a church are going to move forward, it's not because we're going to have a bunch of great individual Christian soldiers. You doing your thing, they're doing their thing. We're all just kind of doing it. No, it's when there's a spirit of synergy. We come together, we lock in rank, and we say, by God's grace, we're moving forward and taking that which he declares is ours. And to see spiritual victories in our family, to see spiritual victories in our marriages, to see spiritual victories in our children, to see spiritual victories in the community and the world around us as we lock ranks, as we lock together, and by God's grace claim that which he has already declared to be ours. And those who are fighting on the front ranks, oh, that there would be somebody there right behind you holding you up, appropriating God's grace to strengthen you with their shield riding your back. You say, ah, man, that scares me to be on the front lines like that. To be involved in some of the things I see people here at this church involved in, that, that worries me. Then at least be somebody on the third row that just shows up. That puts a shield in somebody's back and says, I'm here supporting. Supporting you with prayer, supporting you with my, my presence. And when somebody maybe in front of you is getting weary in well-doing, they say, hey, let's get in the back, I'll take your spot but let's not break rank. And the Apostle Paul understood something very, very important about the corporate nature of a church. As Americans, we're very individualistic, and we have brought that ideology into the church, and it's killing the modern church. Sometimes we talk about Christ dying for Christians, and and to some degree that's true, but really he died for his bride. He died for his church corporately. But we're so individualistic. We're our own self-made people. We don't even know what it means to battle corporately. Well, I got my way of doing things. You got your way of doing things. And all the while, the enemy is just laughing. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm getting stronger as a warrior, and I'm putting on this. Yes, but are you, you in rank? I'm telling you what, the victories are not going to be won by individualistic Christians. They're going to be won as bodies come together synergistically in the power of the Holy Spirit and move forward in his strength and his power using his strategy, the local church corporately moving together, taking that which God declares to be ours to see victories taking place spiritually in homes, spiritually in the lives of people, spiritually in our community, spiritually in our nation. Winning the corporate battles that God has for us. When we really believe the promise that the victory is already His and He's already won the battle, it gives us the confidence to suit up and join Him in mission. You don't have to be scared about showing up. You don't have to be scared about suiting up. Just like the men didn't have to be worried. I wonder how this is going to go down. They already knew they'd won that war. They already knew the strategy. They knew if they just held rank, they'd already won. And so knowing that the victory is ours, knowing that we have having confidence in what God has already declared, we can go into battle knowing that the victory belongs to us. Imagine what it would look like for an entire church to be fully engaged in God's mission and to be living on point. Can you even imagine what would happen in a city like Fresno where a corporately a church came together, filed in rank, and said, we are going to simply believe what God says to be true and move forward by grace. Wow. 
But let me just say this. Even if you refuse to glorify God by not suiting up. You say you're here today and say, well, I don't think I'm going to do that. God in His grace and in His mercy will continue to battle on your behalf. You say, that's scandalous. That's how awesome your God is. He will be faithful to you even when you are not being faithful to Him. That's mercy. And yes, there will probably be social consequences. And yes, the grace he gives in that moment will probably be uncomfortable grace. And yes, the love you experience will probably be tough love. But in his mercy, that is new every morning, he'll faithfully battle for you. In your weakness, in your humanity, and in your frailty. Continuing to offer you his grace. Continuing to offer you his unconditional love. Why? Because he's seeking to lovingly draw you back into joy. Because when you're, when you're removing yourself from this, you're not experiencing the joy that he has and he knows it. Lovingly drawing you back into his peace. Because when you live in rebellion to what he declares to be so, life just doesn't work. And so in love, he is faithful to you. Why? Because he loves you. He wants to draw you back into his love. He wants to draw you back into his peace. He wants to draw you back into his joy. He wants to lovingly draw you back into his hope. Because when you don't appropriate the realities of what God says to be true, you're hopeless and you're joyless and you're peaceless. And God in his love and unconditional nature continues to be faithful, pursuing and fighting and battling for your heart because he loves you that much. He loves you enough that even when you're running from him, he still wants you to experience his joy and still wants you to experience hope and still wants you to experience peace. And you're running from the very thing that would provide that. As we said at the beginning of the sermon, The ultimate battle has already been won by God. So remember this. This is is kind of our takeaway. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. There's a big difference. There's a big difference between the person, I I gotta do this, it all depends upon me. God needs my help. (laughs) And the person that says... (laughs) I'm on the winning side. The victory has already been declared in Christ. And so I can and I must suit up to share in that victory. To share in that joy. To share in that peace. To share in that hope that is mine as an inheritance in Christ. So, if God was willing to go to such lengths to battle for you, What keeps you from suiting up? What keeps you from joining him in this mission that has already been won? What's keeping you from it?
He was willing to show up and suit up for you. What is it that keeps you from showing up and suiting up for him? What keeps you from sharing in his victory? What a wonderful thing it will be one day to stand in glory with our captain and know I got to be a part of it. I surrendered to his grace and his spirit. I got to share in the victory. It's funny to me to watch. You'll watch a Super Bowl game, and you'll see all these people on the sidelines, and at the end of the game, you'll see these guys jumping up and down. They're so excited. And then you're looking like kind of close, and you're like, wow, those, those guys never actually made it into the game. Like They're like third-string punters. <laughs> Woo-ha-ha, they're all excited. Woo, we won! <laughs> they get a ring put on their finger. Why? Because they showed up. They suited up. They stood firm. And guess what? They got to share in the victory. What keeps you from showing up? From suiting up? You say it's doubt. Get the shield of faith. It'll quench the fiery darts of the wicked. You say, I just, I, I feel like I'm not good enough inside. I, I, I don't have... Take on the breastplate of righteousness. Remind yourself that you are righteous in Christ. Appropriate the grace that has already been declared to you. I don't, I don't know if I can make a difference. I don't know if I can help things move. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's not your strength. It's not your personality. It's not your logic. It's not your intellect. It's His Word that will change lives. We're without excuse. So let's file in rank and expect God to do what only God can do. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.